You know, it's really funny when I go back to an episode like this and I'm like, oh, right, so here we go, an episode that I at least remember, uh, an episode that has actually made me laugh and gave us a quote that we could reference all the way into the, you know, into the present day. I still hear every now and again the whole joke of we're just ugly sacks of mostly water. So clearly it's a good episode, right? Right? I mean, it's not a bad episode. It's not like one of the worst episodes. We certainly had worse than these. What I find really weird is how far the episode went out of its way to at least make the attempt of appearing to be actually grounded in real science. Most notably when it comes to the terraforming, they discuss quite a few things regarding the uh, filtration of salt, the alteration of the water, both uh, under the soil and then above the soil, and then the introduction of microbiology, and all sorts of stuff like that, right? I'm not going to give you the full details, but I thought it was kind of cool. It was actually kind of a neat scene to just kind of geek out on that. Now, I don't actually know enough about real-life terraforming science to know how on point any of this was. It could have been just technobabble. I am not cognizant enough to know that. But it wasn't what I would usually refer to as technobabble, which is complete nonsense. In fact, TNG generally didn't really start employing technobabble until further into its existence, and we'll be discussing that when it finally starts happening. So that was cool. I like that. Um, one thing I don't like is Marina Sirtis' makeup. I know that's a really weird thing to comment on, but there's several very close-up shots of her, especially at the very beginning of the episode, and it's her talking to you know Picard about what's going on, and it was kind of distracting. Like, I, I felt bad for Marina Sirtis and how much makeup she's wearing there. Now, granted, I, I know that's not a... I'm not trying to make any kind of feminist thing about that. I've never... I've actually worn makeup because a lot of theater work, and I can't stand the feel of makeup on my skin. So maybe she was fine with it. But for me, that just makes me go, oh, God, I would just be scratching the hell out of that that whole time, you know? So <sighs> Troy is like... And the man is deliberately concealing things. Now... The way the episode is structured and the way the teaser is structured is that they're concealing some big secret down on the planet. And yet, according to his statements later on, at no point prior to things escalating did he actually think that this silicon life form was actually a life form. And there was nothing to hide. I mean, there were the problems they were trying to resolve and they were behind schedule, but if everything he says was true which, by all accounts, it is. Nothing in the episode indicates that he's actually lying about that. He doesn't actually feel like there's anything to hide. By both the accounts of uh, the main guy, whose name I can't remember, and the second guy, whose name I can't remember, you know, the guy with the the, the weird dreadlock... That's not dreadlocks, what do you call that? Uh, the mullet, the, the blonde mullet guy. Both of them indicate that, at the time, they just looked at it like, eh, it's just a thing, whatever. At no point did they did it occur to them that it was anything. It wasn't until more stuff happened, the death happened, and they were confronted about it. That's when they start getting defensive. That's when they start denying. And then the, the, the other guy flat out says, you know, now that you guys are saying this, I'm thinking maybe this was an attempt at communication. But that's with the advantage of hindsight and new information. This is really important because the whole episode is predicated on the idea that he's hiding something. But he isn't. <laughs> What? Okay, okay, next point. So, they go down, and again, there's a good terraforming scene, you know, that, that's kind of cool. But there's three 
tidbits of things. Well, it's actually two, where Data is asked a question, and his answer is, I don't have time to answer that. The first is when uh, the, 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 the mullet guy says, where were you manufactured, and are there others like you? The answer to those questions combined is three, three words, Omicron, Theta, and Yes, respectively. The actual answer he gives, which is something along the lines of those are both topics of extensive discussion, is a little more than the three words that would be taken to simply answer his question directly. It's kind of a sort of vague... It feels like the writer was trying to sound smart without actually being smart. It, in fact, they do it later, like I just mentioned, where Data is like, I'm, you know, I'm being attacked by laser is five words. Okay, let's be a little more efficient. Laser attacking me isn't good grammar, but it gets across the information very quickly and very concisely. He could also have just said the word laser, and thanks to the context, we would have understood that that's one word. Instead, he goes out of his way to say something, no time to properly discuss the situation or whatever. Again, I feel like the writers, and there's three, by the way, writers who worked on this episode, don't actually know how to write character dialogue or anything other than the, the science side of things. It's so weird because the science side of things was kind of cool. Now, one of the things that I find amusing is the woman... I didn't write any of these characters' names down. The woman involved... Uh, oh, actually, I did write her name down. Louisa Kims is her name. That's her actress. Uh, that's her character name, not her actress name. I don't know the actress name. Uh, let me just go ahead and say, and I mean this with all kindness, that she's a terrible actress. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. She was actively putting in a legitimately bad performance in every one of her scenes, where she does that kind of thing, uh, referring to the things that are being said, sometimes with improper pacing but also in the wrong kind of tone. It's the same thing I bashed uh, Will Wheaton for in just the previous episode. It's also especially distracting alongside the performance of the old elderly gentleman, who's, forgive me, I don't remember the actor's name, but I've seen him in several things before, who's actually a pretty decent actor and gets across most of his presentation quite well. It's, it's always weird to me in a Star Trek episode when I see a good guest star and an actively bad guest star literally acting in the same scene. It just kind of pulls me right out of it. You know, it's like watching, well, I'll, I'll give a direct example. Back when I was actually doing theatrical stuff, it's like watching the director in, in charge of the theater, who is a good actor, trying to perform a scene alongside someone who is learning how to act. Anyways. So... The we're, we're expected to just sort of accept a lot of science kind of things in early TNG, but the fact that the silicon life form just has the ability to reprogram perfectly, reprogram computers with what are effectively light pulses, I know, I know, ion charges, blah, 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 is something that just kind of makes me raise an eyebrow, especially since that's not how they portray it. You know, open the door, the door is jammed! Uh, no, the door is currently locked, would be actually the word you're using there. And once the person dies, the program ends, which means the lock opens. All of that makes perfect sense. But the presentation of jammed? I don't know, maybe I'm being just a bit too nitpicky. So let me just move on and nitpick something else. Because Data walks into the room and he's analyzing the laser drill, right? And he looks at it and he's talking with Jordy and he insists that there's a will to the laser, that it was done with deliberate intent. 
how how exactly are you determining that data by looking at it now what makes this more jarring i was willing to just kind of forget that but literally the next scene where he mentions that the laser's attacking him or rather doesn't mention that and then data escapes he mentions how he was deliberately testing the thing using different tactics of evasion and then the blazer was adapting to those that is actually really smart both in character and from a writer's perspective because now data is deliberately using empirical methods scientific interaction in order to try and figure out how something adapts and when it adapts that gives him further information and then he goes ahead and destroys the drill that makes perfect sense so why does he go in and just sort of say there's a will the great will calls to me i mean just anyways anyways so there's also a really really funny line and i don't know if this was done on purpose but Jordy is looking down at some of the flickering, one of the flickering discs, one of the silicon things. And he's looking at it saying, oh, I can't tell, but it's got this and it's got that. And Data says, well, maybe it's alive. And Jordy says, how can it be alive if it's inorganic? He says this to Data. Again, I'm not sure if that was deliberate or not, but it amused me. Then they bring it up to the ship, and they mention how they've never done any kind of tests for inorganic life before, and they've never encountered any kind of inorganic life before, ever, ever, ever. It's worth noting that this is, by all accounts, just a silicon-based life form instead of a carbon-based life form, which is something so mundane and normal that we have concepts of that now in real life and have since this episode came out when it was actually written. So why, I mean, is this just Starfleet Medical being terrible again? And yet, at the same time, I can't say that, because Crusher's the only one who actually seems to have a freaking brain for the next, like, three scenes. When she sees what the thing is doing with the scanner, with the magnifier, she immediately says, pull down the force field. When the force field is pushed back, which, I'm not even going to get into that, she says, evacuate. And then everyone else starts fiddle farts around for a second talking about it, and then she says, a lot more forcefully, evacuate. And in several instances of that, there's there's other specifics, but she's the one who actually seems to have her head screwed on straight as she's doing this. Uh, anyways, I do have to say one thing. Uh, two things, actually. First of all, why is Wesley in the room for that? This is an unprecedented train going off in the background as they're trying to determine if a non-organic thing is a life form, which, if we take the episode at face value, is the first time that's ever happened in the history of ever, keeping in mind at this point they know about half of the beta and alpha quadrants, but... No, this is the first time. Whatever. Suspension of disbelief. And Wesley's there for this this innovative, like, first ever in the history of medical anal thing that's happening. Why? Why is he there? It's not even an anti-Wesley thing, because as I've mentioned before, I don't really have an anti-Wesley thing. He's even fine in the scene. It's just, he's there. And I, my first thought, and upon watching it, because I didn't remember the episode perfectly, was that, oh, of course he's going to have some visionary insight because he's Wesley. But no, that's not even why he's there. He's just kind of observing. And that brings me to my next point. The computer is told to analyze this. And the music sets a very specific tone for this scene. It does this overall sense of 
wonderment at you know and and it it especially crescendos and i've I've remembered this ever since i remember when this when i first saw this as a kid and i remember as a kid being i actually said something along the lines of oh come on as i was sitting there next to my mom's chair because the way it it, it, i mean you know the scene right it's like okay computer analyze the patterns try to figure out what the purpose of the patterns no known pattern remove all pre-existing conceptions and then what's the answer and the answer is life and then just the music goes ah and it's just like okay <laughs> i mean i get that finding a new life form's cool and all but you, th- you think you're overselling it a little bit also this life form has already killed someone and i'm not gonna let you guys forget that because the episode does anyways <clears throat> so the sil- silicon life form splits gets rid of the magnetic field, rejects the field, tries to communicate directly through. We find out later that this thing, as I already mentioned, is using its light pulses to directly reprogram the computer. Which is a hell of a thing. (laughs) That it's actually able to pull that off. I just want you to keep that in mind for a second. Um, And then... Then they have the meeting, which I guess I've already talked about. I don't have anything else to say about this, because I already have my notes that I already referenced, where they were like, oh, we didn't think about it. All these patterns and all these geometric shapes, we just figured it was whatever. And again, by all accounts, they mean that. So what were they hiding earlier? I mean, I, I, I have the feeling that the writer intended the earlier suspense and, oh, definitely hiding something thing in two scenes, by the way. The first scene in the teaser and when they're up in the ready room, specifically to try and add the, the killer mystery thing. But, oh, it wasn't a killer at all. It was just this new life form. Yay! Because that's a well-constructed narrative. Sorry, sorry. I'm being negative. <sighs> They just kind of... Malinson. I actually looked up his damn name. Because Malinson is the guy who was killed by the drill. Now, this is interesting because it's kind of swept under the rug. They mentioned how he was received critical damage and they beam him up. But no, he's dead. He dies. They fl- they make it a little bit more clear. But again, it's kind of swept under the rug later that he frickin' died. He was killed. Then the life form overpowers the entire ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and apparently we are made of 90% water. I'm, I'm just going to let that comment slide. Um, but, I, I, and then they utter the infamous line, you know, giant, ugly bags of mostly water, or sacks of mostly water. That was kind of a cool quote. I'll, I'll give them that one. And again, I remember that quote to this day. But then there's a really, really weird series of scenes. First, they say, you know, how about, how about how they're going to declare war and all that. But then there's a scene where Riker says, remember, they killed Mallinson. Then the next thing that happens is Troy says, you are beautiful to us. And then the next thing it says is they mention how they killed him. That's a really weird construction of dialogue there. When you bring up the fact that this life form has deliberately and knowingly murdered someone... Because that's effectively murder at that point. That's not just killing. And then, oh, you are beautiful to us, though. You're, and that's not the only thing they say. They say, you know, it's it's amazing. We didn't know about you. You are beautiful to us. You're, and then the 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 thing itself admits that they killed him. <laughs> are you trying to make us remember that? Because because the episode. This is the only time the episode brings that up again. It's just. And then they try to transport it down to the planet. 
Which is funny because that's what it wanted. And so it resists that somehow. This is officially the point at which my suspension of belief just went flying out the window. Like, it resisting the the force field, I was able to at least kind of explain away by it reprogramming it on the fly. Sure, okay. But in mid-transport, when the particle effect has already started, so in other words, technically it's not there all the way, it manages to repulse the transporter energy field, or whatever the hell Jordy says. At that point, it's just, I, I, okay, whatever. I'm... What? <laughs> What's funny is this is not the last time TNG will do that, by the way. I know, I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about. And then they get back to being kind of cool and showing their work with the science end of things. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I thought the whole photoelectric thing was actually a cool idea. Of course, they can't turn down the lights because it's reprogramming the computer. The pre reprogramming the computer, so naturally, Riker just goes down and manually turns the lights down. You know, actually, that that makes perfect sense. I can't really call that a negative, but it's just you could tell how much I've been watching Voyager for the last several years when being able to manually affect something is something out of the ordinary. How many times has the manual shutdown or the manual lockdown or the manual override not worked over on Voyager, right? Enterprise had that problem a little bit, too. Anyways, so then the episode completely loses me. At this point, I'm already just face-palming at the episode. And then the Silicon Life form says that you humans are too arrogant. And too primitive. Maybe come back in a few centuries. Then you'll be ready for us. And as it's leaving, they all say, like, oh, goodbye. And I wrote that, you know, I, oh, we'll come back when we are better prepared. I just wanted to make life, but I almost destroyed it. Our apologies. Our respects. They just treat this thing as if it's some beautific, wonderful, amazing thing that killed a guy. No, I'm not letting you forget about that. And it also... And, oh, and by the way, then Picard orders an indefinite quarantine on the planet. <laughs> now, here in reality land, all I see is just... And again, that's, that's the, episode, the moment where the episode completely lost me. If I were to have her be uh, more of a parody take on this, if I was sci-fi debris, for example, you know what I'd say here? They found the only race that they've encountered thus far that's actually more self-righteous and arrogant than they are. And they naturally assume that it's a superior life form and bow and scrape before it. I'm sorry. This isn't a bad episode, but the end of this episode really left a bad taste in my mouth as is probably obvious from my tone and body posture. <sighs> Nevertheless, we get through yet another episode of T Season 1 TNG. If I was ranking this one, it'd be below average, because it is below average. It's, it's a lackluster mystery that has no real character moments and has a one bad guest star, one good guest star, and involves a little bit of stupidity and a little bit of magic science, which is more glaring when it's immediately put along some fairly well-done, if not real, than believable science. It's just kind of a mishmash, and this is a good point to mention that this episode was written by three separate people. I feel like it kind of shows. Nevertheless, I hope you've enjoyed my diatribe, and I'll see you guys next time.